0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Good Money Habits. This is episode two, which is the first of the Fundamental Foundation series. And today I'm going to be exploring essentially three things with you. So firstly, we're going to actually work through three different concepts, which I think of as the three fundamentals of financial education. And secondly, we're going to have a look at values and goal setting. And then we're gonna work our way through budgeting and how to set up your Finances for Automatic Pilot. Now, I'm really conscious that that's quite a lot to cover in this session, so please feel free to pause, come back later in your own time, and effectively look at this in in three different pieces. Now, this episode is not intended to be personal advice and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situations, or needs, so it might not be appropriate for you. So essentially, this is just education and information that's general in nature. Now I was having a chat to my girlfriend earlier today about this project and she made a suggestion to me which I thought was a good one Um, and that is that she felt that people might be listening to this thinking, am I about to start promoting my business or ask people for money? And I can absolutely tell you the answer is no to both of those things. Um, This is a community project for me and and for me financial education is something that um, I feel might be helpful to people at this period in time. it was something that I wanted to do and as I mentioned in episode one I will be pulling in the um, expertise and experience of other people within our profession who I know and I trust and I feel would be happy to give to this project as well so let's get things started and today I'd like to start off with a question so do you ever feel like you're just expected to know what to do with money I ask that question because over many years of asking it, often the answer that comes back is yes. But if you actually sit back and think about it logically, for many people growing up, talking about money was pretty much a taboo subject, like religion and politics. So how on earth are you supposed to know this stuff when it was actually rarely talked about? Um, In my house it was actually often talked about, so I was probably the exception to that rule, but I know in, in a lot of cases that wouldn't have been the case. And the second thing I'd like to say in relation to that is that good money habits is actually a skill. So like any other skill that you want to learn, it's going to require practice and trial and error and I can absolutely assure you throughout my, my life and my career, I've absolutely made plenty of mistakes along the way and that's okay. The key is actually giving it a go and then taking the time to reflect on what things didn't go right and what did you learn from those experiences? And what were the missteps or the things that you would do differently? And then just keep working on it. Um, even when the inevitable obstacles do come along your way and I, you know, one would argue right now that um, a lot of people have got biggest obstacle they've probably ever faced in their lives, which is the impact of coronavirus. So I've made the decision to share some quite personal stories on this podcast, which is quite frankly daunting because I don't necessarily want to put myself out there any more than the next person. But I also know that I really love to read and and listen and learn through stories, so I'm just simply working on the basis that I feel like the listeners um, might appreciate that as well. So let's get started with those three fundamental concepts that I want to work through. And the first one is compound interest. And this is gonna be a bit of a sad admission, but it actually is my favorite thing in the world. Um, and Albert Einstein agrees with me. He once said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it, and he who doesn't, pays it. And I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so everyone, it's time that we start making friends with compound interest. So how do we make friends with it and what actually is compound interest? So. Compound interest is the interest you get on the money you've saved, let's call that the principal, and the interest you've already earned. Now, that's a slightly abstract concept, so let me put that another way for you. If you've got a savings account, you'll earn interest on your initial savings and on the interest you've already earned. So if you like, you get interest on your interest, and because of that, it helps you to save more money faster. There's a fantastic calculator on the ASIC Money Smart website um, for compound interest and they give the following example. If you were to put $10,000 into a savings account with a 3% interest compounded monthly, after five years you'll have $11,616. In other words, you would have earned $1,616 in interest. If you take that out further to 10 years, you would have saved $13,494. So you would have earned interest of $3,494, more than double the interest you earned in the first five years because of the compounding effect. Take it out again to 20 years. You'd have earned $18,208 and earned $8,208 in interest. So I hope that example helps. Um, But to give you another example, I thought I'd share with you that I learnt about a different version of compounding um, by accident at quite a young age. So my mum and nan, um, I'd like to think, were quite ahead of their time in the late 1970s and 1980s as they ran a clothing store in Fremantle, selling clothing mostly to the Italian community. Um, I was often around the business and as I got older I started to, to work on a Saturday morning and a Thursday night and I learned how to use the cash register and how to serve customers and balance the till at the end of the day. And My mum and Nan used to take me into the city um, to King and Queen Street to the warehouses to. stock and that kind of thing and then I started working more regularly in in, in the shop um, every Thursday night and Saturday morning and what would happen is basically I'd save everything that I earned other than spending a little bit on hot chips from Coles um, which was sort of my guilty pleasure back then Um, after a few years of working my mum somewhat prophetically suggested to me rather than putting your money in the bank why don't you consider buying the bank So that initially completely bamboozled me, but she went on to explain to me what a share was and how dividends work. So I took a leap of faith and I bought my first share, which just happened to be a bank share. Now it's really important that I emphasize here that this is purely an example and it's not intended to be advice. So what are dividends? Firstly, dividends are essentially the company you own giving you back a share of the profits they've earned. So you get two options. One is you can either take it as cash, or you can do something called dividend reinvestment. And I decided to do the latter. I decided to do dividend reinvestment. And what that meant was, instead of getting the cash, I used what I was owed to go and buy more shares with that dividend. So the number of shares I owned continued to grow, as did the dividend as I progressively had more and more shares and so the value of my shares also grew over time. So that's an example of how compounding works and that's how I learnt it. Um, When I was 17, I was able to sell those shares and together with the generosity of my mum and dad who dollar matched me at the time, I was able to buy my first car without a loan. And needless to say, I didn't realise it at the time, but I imagine that that was a pretty formulative experience in terms of directing my future career and doing what I love to do today. So the second fundamental concept that I want to work through with you is inflation. And the simplest way I can describe inflation is that it reflects the the rising cost of living. Um, And because of that, the value of money decreases over time. So a really simple example there. Um, When I was a kid, I used to ride down to the shops and buy myself a pretty decent bag of lollies for a dollar. So have a think about how much a dollar would buy you today. So right there, you've got an example of inflation and how it eats away at the value of money over time. And that's why it's important to understand this concept so that you can understand it and account for it when you put a money plan in place to protect your money from being eaten away. So that's the second concept. So we're up to the third concept, uh, which is diversification. So this is probably the easiest of the three to wrap your head around. And this one ties back to the old adage of don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So let me take you back to my bank share story when I bought my first bank share. If that bank had have performed really badly and the value of those shares fell on the share market, I would have felt the full force of that decline in those shares. If on the other hand, I had have gone and bought two, three or four different shares with my money, then the impact of that fall in that one bank share wouldn't have been as great. So that's the power of diversification and effectively it reduces the overall volatility and makes the feeling of the ride a little bit less bumpy, if that's the best way of putting it. All right, so there are three concepts. Um, There's some really good information and examples on the ASIC Money Smart website if you wanna dig deeper into that because I've really just scratched the surface. But I hope that at least has got your mind ticking over and thinking about those concepts, which are very important if you wanna build up your financial knowledge and and effectively educate yourself with money. So I'm gonna move now into the second um, section that I'd like to work through and let's turn our minds to values and goal setting. So in this part, I do feel that it's important that if you're in a relationship or a family situation, I would strongly encourage you to work through this process together because what you'll likely find is that some of your values and goals may be quite different and that's pretty normal. So what's important when you get to those differences is that you talk it through and you work out where you're willing to compromise or what you're gonna choose to prioritize if your finances are combined. So an observation, I guess, um, from many years of uh, working in finance is that where people choose to spend their money says a lot about what they value. So this is where goal setting comes in. And I'd like to ask you the question, and think about this, why do goals matter? So I'm gonna share with you why I think they matter through uh, a personal story. But firstly, have you ever noticed that when you have a reason to do something, or you have ensured there's something you really value that's important to you, you've got an important goal that you want to achieve, you're generally better at achieving success and you more commonly do achieve success in those situations. So let me take you to my story. So a few years ago, um, my husband nominated me in a swim team to compete in a team of four to do the Rottner's Channel Swim, which is a 19.7 kilometre open water swim. And what had happened was, about six months earlier, um, we'd been joking around at a family um, party that we were at um, that it would be fun to do it as a team. And my husband had done it in a team of four. He'd done it as a solo swimmer. And I knew it was something that he really wanted to do with me at some stage. And in my bravado in that moment, I said, oh, that'd be fun, I'd be willing to do that. Not really thinking he was ever gonna take me up on that. But he did, and when he approached me and let me know that he had put me in the team, my instant reaction was, no way, that's not gonna happen. And for a few reasons, <laughs> and valid reasons, I think, is one is I thought, quite frankly, it was dangerous. Um, I've never seen myself as a swimmer and, and I haven't didn't really have swimming skills, so how on earth was I going to compete in a team to do an open water swim, let alone a 19.7 kilometre one? Um, And I also, you know, really just didn't see myself as a swimmer at the end of the day. But what he said to me was, "Um, give me six weeks, give me six weeks to train you and then you can make a final decision on when you want to do this. I kept pushing back. I didn't feel comfortable with it, but he was persistent and he believed in me and wanted me to give this a crack. Um, So I did what I said I was going to do and we went and we started the training and I can honestly tell you that the first time I dived into the pool, I couldn't swim 50 metres. And my husband didn't tell me at the time. Um, He kept it to himself, which is probably a good thing in that he was thinking, oh, actually maybe this isn't going to work. But I was good to my word and I kept going and I stuck with it. Um, and along the way, um, my husband also said to me, you know, there's probably another reason why you might want to think about doing this swim and, and that's because we've decided to uh, make it a charity swim for Ronald McDonald House. And that was perhaps a cheeky way for him to get me to commit to this and to give it a go because he understood um, how much, I would have valued that. And it actually did completely change my mindset because then it wasn't about me anymore. It was about the charity and about about doing something that was aligned with my values. Um, So anyway, I kept going to the pool. I got better over time. And um, after six weeks, I surprised myself and I was able to swim up to five kilometers in a session. But this whole way through this journey of trying to build up my, my swimming stamina and skills, um, there was something niggling me in the pit of my stomach that I just couldn't seem to shift and, and I couldn't connect what it was and people were saying to me are you worried about sharks and I kind of was but not overly um, but I knew there was something there and it it wasn't until I was actually at the beginning of the race and I dived into the water for the first time and when I surfaced all I could see in front of me was boat propellers bobbing up and down in the water. And in that moment, I connected the dots and I realized what that fear was. And at that moment, in many ways, all my fears were realized because when I was 16, um, my brother was involved in a tragic boating accident and he was run over by a boat in the Swan River and ended up in ICU for many weeks and and had many years of recovery um, suffered brain damage through that time and you know pleased to say that um, some 20 plus years later um, he's in, in much much better shape and, and living a good life today um, but at that moment it was it was a I don't think I can do this now um, probably not something I should be sharing on a podcast but I'm going to take a risk and do it and, and And that is shared that my nickname is actually Dory so whilst I love all things strategic and technical um, when it comes to practical things I can be pretty forgetful um, and uh, very Dory like at times and my team often have a have a laugh at me about that and so much so that I actually had Dory emblazoned on the back of my babies so at that moment um, I decided to actually channel some humor um, and I just uh, took on the persona and in my head I was thinking just keep swimming just keep swimming as as Dory would have with her stupid voice in my head and and I remember almost physically laughing as I was swimming as I was pushing that fear down Um, but the real reason that I was able to get through that um, difficult time um, was the encouragement of my husband and perhaps perhaps his misplaced Um, belief in me. Um, But secondly, it was because it was tied to something that I really valued being supporting a charity. And as I said before, that's when it became not just about me anymore. And I'm pleased to report I did make it through the race with my team. It certainly wasn't elegant or pretty, um, but that actually didn't matter in the end. So why am I sharing the story with you? I'm sharing it because it's no different with money. So we need to start thinking about what do we really value and then aligning that with our goals. So thinking about our values and goals is absolutely the place to start. And the one tip I'd give you here is don't try to do all this in one day. Some goals will be immediately obvious and others less so. So the other thing is once you start to think about this over the next week or so, you'll probably find you'll get more clarity as time passes. You know, the, the old expression sleep on it has been around for centuries for a very good reason. Um, and also, so I don't forget to point this out later, it's also important to check back in on your goals a minimum of once a year because what you'll find is they'll likely change over time and that's what I normally find with the clients that I work with. So let's start with a framework of goal setting and we're going to break it up into three categories being short, medium and long term and I'm going to give you some examples to kick you off. So think about short term as being from right now to say 6 to 12 months from now. So for a lot of people at the moment, that's going to mean focusing on how you're going to get through the immediate impact of COVID-19, um, dependent on how that has impacted you at this time. So it might be that a short term goal is that you're going to focus on establishing a budget to understand and stabilise your cash flow and expenses. It might be that you wanna prioritize building up a buffer to buy yourself more, t- more time to get through this period, particularly in the event that this might go on longer um, than what we're thinking it might at the moment. No one really knows. So depending on the security of your money that's coming into your household, you might also wanna think about paying off inefficient debts faster, such as credit cards, and I'm gonna talk about that more in, in an episode later on. Um, As an aside, um, at this point I might just say where compound interest as your friend is absolutely my normal mantra, this actually may temporarily need to be set aside for some people during this period of COVID-19 and you may indeed need to adopt a new mantra which I think of as cash is king. So an example there might be a small business owner that's seen their revenue slow or stop altogether. Um, with coronavirus temporarily um, suspending money coming in. So you might be able to, in that instance, um, temporarily suspend your loan repayments or payments on your mortgage, if if that's necessary to get you through. Um, And if you're not sure if it is necessary, then maybe seek some advice from your accountant or financial planner along the way. So medium term is the second bucket for goal setting. So this is six months to two years. So for this one, Start to think about the other side of coronavirus as things slowly start to improve and settle down. So think about what do you want to do differently? You know, maybe it's you want to focus more on paying off car loan or a personal loan quicker or indeed more into your mortgage if you weren't doing so already. For some it might be adding a little bit more into super but take care with that one because there are different um, limits and rules that, that apply and I'm going to touch more on that when I get to the episode on superannuation. Other medium-term goals might be saving for a holiday. I know that feels like a pipe dream at the moment, but those days will come again. Could be saving for school fees or uniforms or investing money. And then the final category is long-term. So here, a couple of examples might be, you might wanna set a specific date and goal to have your mortgage paid off. Again, we'll touch more about that when we get to the debt section. Or it could be that you wanna commence a formal plan to start targeting early retirement. So the most common mistake I see is people only for focusing on the short term and remember to take your time with this process. When you think you're done, go back over your goals and ask yourself, do they really marry up with what I value? And if they don't, then think about adjusting them now. By the way, if you've ever wondered what a financial planner does, this is the common starting point that we go through um, and we help clients work on this and then refine them and then work out what isn't, isn't realistic for them. Okay so we're going to change tack and the last um, that we're going to uh, tackle today is the process of developing a budget. Now I mentioned earlier it's not my favourite expression but I'm going to stick with it because it's the, it's the terminology that's used on the ASIC Money Smart website and I think that's the best resource for this subject. Um, importantly I recently noticed that there's an entirely new section on that site on COVID-19 and making financial decisions So it includes lots of information like what financial assistance is available from the government. If you're having problems paying your mortgage, it explains some of the hardship programs that are available to people. If you're having problems paying bills and fines, there's some tips on how to sort those out. Importantly, there's information on access to financial counselling and managing on a low income. And I also note that it was announced yesterday that Australians that are in financial, uh, financial stress will be able to access up to $3,000 in no interest loans and I'm sure there'll be more information on that one coming out. Another fantastic resource that you might want to consider looking at for budgeting that's actually specifically targeted at inspiring and helping our kids and teenagers learn about money is called Banker. Um, and the website is www.banker.com.au and it's spelled B-A-N-Q-E-R and it's a wonderful project that's been championed by NetWealth and I will be interviewing the CEO in a few weeks time when we get to that episode on Kids and Money, down the track. But back to the task at hand. Once you've set your goals, the next step is to see where your money goes by preparing the budget. And that's gonna help to determine your capacity to save. And once you know what that looks like, then you can start to think about how you're gonna disperse those savings across your short, medium, and long-term goals. Spending's not a bad thing, by the way. I wanna point out that there's so commonly and normally a lot of emotion around money and often a lot of guilt. So this is not about not spending money, it's about spending your money on things you really value and then balancing that off with saving a bit for your future self. I also want to emphasize it's highly personalized, so I do encourage you to adapt the process to your particular situation and whatever works for you. So from that Money Smart website, please go and have a read of the how to do a budget section. There are great tips in there for how to prepare a budget, and you can follow the guide and the information provided. And I'd especially recommend that you look at the section on see where your money goes. This is the reality check. So it is essential that you understand your current spending habits and and what are they. And for the budget itself, another tip, I prefer to use the Excel version because I find it gives me more ability to personalize. So the budget planner will allow you to add money coming in and then expenses that can be broken down as weekly, monthly and annually, which is great because it does a lot of the maths for you. And then there are different drop down boxes on subsections that prompt you to include expenses that you might otherwise not be thinking of or miss. So I want to acknowledge straight up that this process will take a little bit of time and effort but really anything in life that's truly worthwhile does take effort so stick with me on this please and you know the spreadsheet is going to calculate for you if you're in surplus or in deficit. In other words are you spending more than you're earning or not. The other thing is it's important that you add a buffer for emergencies. So you can determine what you think that looks like. I normally suggest something like take 10% of your overall expenses and and add that and use that as your buffer because you do need a margin of safety for unexpected expenses that simply do arise for all of us from time to time. So once you've completed the budget, if if you're spending more than you earn, go back over your expenses. And find areas to cut back I know that's hard it's easier said than done but right now that's just what you need to do and this is also a process about identifying patterns of behavior and identifying opportunities to do things differently so it's going to bring if you like a more conscious awareness to your relationship with money don't be too hard on yourself here and remember you can't change the past so it's utterly pointless in many respects beating yourself up over the past choose to look forwards not backwards and Ask yourself, you know, what do I want to choose to do differently here? So, in looking for ways to reduce your expenses, even if it's temporarily, to avoid going backwards during this time, particularly if your money coming in is reduced, review things like your subscriptions. Do you really need them all? Have a look at your phone plan. Is there a better phone plan out there for you? Have a look at how much money you spend on takeaway. Can you pull back a bit on that and cook a little bit more at home? Go over your general insurances like car, house and contents, plenty of online tools that you can use to help you work out if there's a better option or better deal for you. And the big one and the easy one I think is actually finding ways to make cheaper meals at home. So my tip here is to meal plan for the week and shop once only. And I say that from personal experience, because years ago, I used to wander around the supermarket without a plan, without a list, and basically just buy gut feel what I felt like, what I thought we needed. And it was a bit like throwing a dart at a swinging dartboard, and it nearly always resulted in waste and the need to go back to the shops again for missing ingredients, which just drive my husband nuts. Um, So now I sit down every Saturday morning, religiously, it's just a habit, it's just something I do, and we spoke about habits, do it for 90 days, you don't think about anymore it's an automatic response and it's, that one's very much an automatic response for me now you can get the planners pretty cheaply you can either download them off the internet you can draw one up or I, I get them from um, I got mine from Target for like two dollars I think Kmart sell them as well And on there, I map out who in the family is doing what for the week, and then I meal plan around it. So it means that I can then work out my shopping list. I'm less likely to buy things we won't use or don't need, and it ensures we've got a good variety. So in our house, I like to make sure we've got a night with meat and chicken and fish and vegetarian and and a pasta and so on. Um, And by doing this, um, when we made that change, it reduced the amount of processed foods we were eating so it was better for our health. We reduced the amount of takeaways well because the all the ingredients for the meals were already in the fridge and it kind of became the path of least resistance, if you like, because it required no thought. I'd already done the thinking. And given the government's current request to shop once a week, I think this tip works in pretty nicely with that. So throughout this process, you're going to inevitably find expenses that will have reduced now that you're at home or unable to work. So things like petrol, parking, travel expenses, restaurants, takeaway coffees, lunches, gym memberships, your ad hoc discretionary shopping would have all gone down for a lot of people. You're simply not in the shops as much anymore. On the other hand, some expenses might go up. For example, your weekly shopping bill and not only because you're eating more at home, I can tell you, you're not going crazy. The cost of shopping has gone up. My girlfriend shared with me yesterday her normal basket of shopping went up by $100 this week. So think about that, factor that in. That's just, in this period of time, we've got a supply and demand problem. um, And that's why we're, we're seeing that impact. And that goes back to that inflation concept that I spoke about earlier. With the cost of living, it goes up in some areas. So things like your energy bills, your water consumption might also go up. So it is important that you account for that when you prepare the budget. And then importantly, go back at the end of each month and check it and does it reflect what your expenses actually were. So for some of you, you might actually actually find that your living expenses have fallen um, more than your money coming in. And that might be quite reassuring if, if that's the case, but obviously it won't be the case for everybody. So... As this is a foundation series, I'm also really conscious that for those that have got more complex structures or complexity around their finances, they might have different sources of money coming in. This budgeting process I've of of, of gone through here will likely not be enough for you to get a proper grip on your situation. So for those of you who do have complexity like cyclical income, multiple income sources, you might be a business owner, self-employed or have structures like companies and family trusts where you might need to think about working through that with your accountant or financial planner to get guidance on different variables like your tax liabilities, what government assistance are you eligible for, um, how income's gonna get distributed through different structures and to whom. But essentially what you're trying to establish is what is the likely net income into your household going to look like. And in the meantime, the one thing you can definitely work on is your household expenses. So if you feel like you're needing more assistance to bed this process down, do consider working with a financial planner. You know, they will work through your goals and objectives as that starting point, help you to refine them, and then assist you with the budgeting and cash flow to help you work out what is and what isn't realistic so the way i describe it to my clients is essentially the process is we're going to look back through the rear view mirror so we're going to see where we're being we're going to have a look at the spending habits what does the current reality look like and then we're going to take our focus and look through the front windshield so the idea is to help you navigate the um, options for the pathway ahead so i did mention in episode one that one of my drivers for creating this series is my concern that accessing advice is out of reach for many but what I can also tell you is that in instances where people do have complexity and they do need more help where you get good advice in many cases the advice will actually pay for itself over time so you're going to just have to weigh that up. So now you know your goals and objectives and how they align with your values, you've hopefully got a good grip on your budget and hopefully established an ability to save, if not now, in the medium and longer term. So that's the what, let's now talk about the how, because this series is all about good money habits. The what is one thing, actually doing it and putting it into action. another so I've got two tips here my number one tip is to to embed these habits is to set up your banking for autopilot so from your budget if you've got an ability to save take that savings amount and think about how much you're going to allocate to each goal for example you might have decided to pay off your credit card faster so then you might set up a direct payment to your credit card that leaves your bank account on the day you're paid or the day you receive benefits so this is so personal, there's so many different ways of doing it, but I thought I'd share with you the way we do it in our house. So what we do is we have a weekly living account that's connected to our debit card and then we have a separate bills account, which in our case is a mortgage offset account. So. What I did was I've gone through our budget um, and added up anything that's a weekly expense. So anything like groceries, petrol, parking, pharmacy, hair, beauty, Bunnings, um, those sort of things. And then I transfer that amount each week and we try and stick to that allocation because I've also got set up automatic transfers for our goals and objectives. So for an extra to go into our super or extra to go into a holiday account and so on and so forth. So I find it easier to think in weekly terms than monthly terms when it comes to my day-to-day habits. So it's just a shorter block of time. And if at the end of a particular week, we don't have enough money in our account and we wanna have takeaway, then we've got two choices. We can either decide to cook at home and maybe do a, a you know, tuna pasta or an omelet or something like that. Or we can go ahead and choose to get that takeaway but knowing consciously that it's taking from next week's allocation. So I just find that that makes it easier um, to become more aware of what our spending habits are and it allows you to sort of course correct quickly or faster along the way. So setting up your banking for autopilot to align with your goals and objectives is one of the best tips I can give you on developing good money habits. And the second is what I touched on earlier and that's doing a monthly check-in. So how did you go overall? Do you need to refine it? Was anything missing? Did you have any unexpected expenses come up along the way that might need, mean, to, mean that you need to refine your budget a little bit again? So in conclusion, I guess my one of my last thought bubbles for. The, for today would be uh, why not choose to do something today that your future self is going to thank you for because that's really what this is all about. Um, Next week I'm going to be talking about insurances. What are the different types? How much do you need? How can you structure them? And importantly for right now, what are some tips to make them more affordable? Okay, that's me for today. I'm going to sign off. Good luck everyone. Stay safe and see you all next week.